we inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to this Friday edition of AFA at the Core, exclusively on the American Family Radio Network. It is good to be with you today on the airwaves and on the internet by going to our website, AFR.net, AFR.net, and checking out the AFA at the Core podcast page. I'm your host, Walker Wildman, here at American Family Radio. You can also listen to the show by subscribing to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it be on your Apple podcast store, the Google podcast store, which is for your Android devices, uh, and we are also on Spotify. So you can find AFA at the Core in all of those places, and you can subscribe and listen at your convenience. This uh, our, our verse of the week, as I've mentioned multiple times, is Matthew 4, verse 4. Jesus himself is being tempted, and he responds to Satan, responds to the devil, and tells the devil that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So that's our scripture memorization for the week. That's our verse of the week. And so I pray, and and my goal here is that uh, these verses, these passages that we discuss and, and we repeat throughout the week for an entire week for five days, uh, that they will begin to be seared onto your heart, onto your mind, and that in the days and months ahead, you'll uh, actually recall those verses and and being be able be able to cite those on the fly in whatever circumstances uh, you find yourself in. And that's important. Uh, uh, scripture memorization, and I struggle with it myself. I know many people struggle with it. Scripture memorization is very, very important uh, because God's word says that. We can actually use his word to fight Satan. We can use God's word against Satan, against spiritual warfare. We can use God's word to fend off the attacks of the devil and his uh, his allies that are coming after us. And on that note, you know, spiritual warfare is real. Spiritual warfare is as real as physical, uh, human, uh, earthly warfare. We do not live in this uh, spiritually neutral environment. There are good and evil forces after us, and so we need to uh, be cognizant of that, be aware of that, uh, be aware that you know our mind is not this neutral place. Our mind can either be used for godly things, for good things, for noble things, or our mind can be hijacked by Satan, by his, his foes, and um, so we need to be cognizant of that, be aware of that, and be aware that uh, spiritual warfare is a very, very real thing, and we can uh, uh, engage in spiritual warfare and actually be victorious. We can be victorious when it comes to spiritual warfare. One, uh, uh, our, our resource of the week, by the way, yesterday, on, on yesterday's show, we interviewed M.D. Perkins. I interviewed M.D. Perkins here at American Family Association He's a spokesperson for EFA. He's also a producer for American Family 
Studios, and we interviewed MD Perkins on his latest presentation, his latest video presentation, called Understanding the Dangers of Gay Christianity. So we interviewed MD Perkins on that. If you would like that resource, maybe you missed out on the show yesterday or you're in our Procrastinators Club, you can go to our resource center, resources.afa.net, and you can order that resource for yourself, for your family, for your church, for your Sunday school class, or anyone you'd like to reach, or just for your family. You can go to resources.afa.net and order that DVD. Uh, it's called it's a Cultural Institute series, Understanding the Dangers of Gay Christianity by M.D. Perkins. So go to resources.afa.net, check out that resource. That's our resource of the week. And each week here on the show, we'll be highlighting resources brought to you by the American Family Association. Jumping right in to the news of the week, this one I've been really wanting to get to, but I just haven't. Uh, Tucker Carlson, uh, about two weeks ago, he revealed on his show, Tucker Carlson Tonight, on the Fox News channel, that his communications regarding his show on Fox News, his communications were being intercepted by the National Security Agency. And so let's play, this is a longer clip, a minute and 36 seconds. Let's play clip one. This is Tucker Carlson letting his audience know that our government has been monitoring his communications. Clip one, let's listen. It's not just political protesters the government is spying on. Yesterday, we heard from a whistleblower within the U.S. government who reached out to warn us that the NSA, the National Security Agency, is monitoring our electronic communications and is planning to leak them in an attempt to take this show off the air. Now, that's a shocking claim, and ordinarily we'd be skeptical of it. It's illegal for the NSA to spy on American citizens. It's a crime. It's not a third world country. Things like that should not happen in America. But unfortunately, they do happen, and in this case, they did happen. The whistleblower, who is in a position to know, repeated back to us information about a story that we are working on that could have only come directly from my texts and emails. There's no other possible source for that information, period. The NSA captured that information without our knowledge and did it for political reasons. The Biden administration is spying on us. We have confirmed that. This morning, we filed a FOIA request, a Freedom of Information Act request, asking for all information that the NSA and other agencies have gathered about this show. We did it mostly as a formality. We've also contacted the press office at both NSA and the FBI. We don't expect to hear much back. That's the way that usually goes. Only Congress can force transparency on the intelligence agencies, and they should do that immediately. Spying on opposition journalists is incompatible with democracy. If they are doing it to us, and again, they are definitely doing it to us, they are almost certainly doing it to others. This is scary, and we need to stop it right away. You know, I would tell you that I'm shocked, I'm surprised, I'm caught off guard. But this type spying is nothing new for the federal government. If you flash back, I don't know, about five years, we had the Obama administration spying on Donald J. Trump and his entire campaign apparatus. Yes, we had the Democratic uh, president in the White House, his administration was spying on his, the opposing party's campaign for president. 
of the United States. The same type uh, setup is going on here, according to Tucker Carlson and uh, and his show. What what happened there? Just a little more supplemental information. Tucker Carlson was trying to get a interview with Russian President Vladimir Putin. So Tucker Carlson sent an email to Russian officials or Russian contacts in an attempt to get an interview with Vladimir Putin. Well, when he did that, guess who picked up on the emails? Our great national security agency. They fielded the email from Tucker Carlson. And according to federal law, Tucker Carlson's identity as a U.S. citizen is supposed to remain anonymous. It's supposed to remain 100% anonymous. Well, that didn't happen. That did not happen. What happened, according to Tucker Carlson, is not only did the NSA sweep up Tucker Carlson's communications, but someone, high-level officials within the NSA did what is called unmasking. They unmasked Tucker Carlson, meaning there was a, a, a hypothetical or a just an, imagine a a sharpie or a black mark has gone through Tucker Carlson's name as a U.S. citizen in these documents in these transcripts. Well, someone at the NSA took that cover off, and they revealed the identity of Tucker Carlson in the email exchanges. But not only did they illegally uncover uh, his name, unmask Tucker Carlson, but they leaked it to the media. They leaked the contents and the identity of Tucker Carlson to Washington, D.C. media outlets. And all of this has been backed up and confirmed by Tucker Carlson's show and his producers and his entire team there. And, you know, this is, this, this is stuff that happens in Cuba. This is stuff that happens in Venezuela. Uh, we mentioned all these third world countries, uh, these uh, these uh, countries that have no First Amendment, they have no uh, Fourth Amendment, they have no privacy, and all of the opponents of the government are monitored and uh, and kept an eye on by the government. This is stuff like that happens in Russia, and so uh, this should be concerning to each and every one of us and. You know, I'm actually not that optimistic about accountability uh, taking place here. I mean, this is the Biden administration spying on a conservative journalist, and I, I'm not sure that any accountability took place when President Trump's campaign was spied on in 2015. But something worth noting, uh, you're, uh, if you email or you call or you text a, uh, a foreigner, no matter whether you're engaging in anything bad or immoral or criminal, your communications can be swept up by the NSA, and the NSA can apparently review your, uh, your name, your email, the contents of your emails. And so we'll continue following that. Uh, Tucker Carlson's show is apparently uh, put in a FOIA request for more information about why his name was unmasked. And just to be clear, in order to get... Uh, your name uncovered and released within even just within the agency you have to have this is if you're following the rules you're supposed to have authorization from very high up officials like officials that work in the white house uh, you can't just unmask anybody 
and, and, and circulated around the office at the NSA. In order to unmask a U.S. citizen, you ha- either have to have a court order or you have to have the signature, the authorization from a top-level government official, like a secretary-level official would have to sign off on that. Shifting gears out to out west, out to Arizona, and we're going to cover this a little bit this segment, and we'll hopefully jump back into it in the third segment after our guest. But I'm going to play a clip here. This is the um, this is the, uh, the the Arizona state legislature has been having a hearing the last two days about their uh, their forensic audit that that took place in Arizona, more specifically Maricopa County. Let's play clip three. This is a Senate witness testimony talking about how the election system in Maricopa County was breached. Let's listen. So, for example, we know an element of the election system was actually compromised or breached during the course of the November 2020 election. It is a matter of public statement by Maricopa County as well as legal action and law enforcement action surrounding that particular incident. The registration server that was public-facing did have unauthorized access to that. In uh, cybersecurity terms, it was breached. We know that the county has accepted that as an unauthorized breach because they actually issued a letter to a small subset of the voters who were affected by that breach, and they issued that in January of 2021. Well, there you have it. The voice there that you hear is a fellow by the name of Ben Cotton in Arizona there at the state capitol, and Ben Cotton is the founder of the cybersecurity group Cypher, C-Y-F-I-R. They are, I'm not sure where they're based, but he was hired by the state legislature the Arizona State Senate, he was hired by them to be a third-party auditor of the forensic audit that took place within the last month in Arizona. And he has uncovered, and he's testifying under oath before the Arizona State Legislature, that the Arizona, more specifically the Maricopa County election system, was breached. It was breached before and during the election. Yes, the machines were breached according to, uh, uh, the servers rather, were breached according to this expert witness in Arizona. We'll talk more about that later on in the show. We'll be back in a few minutes. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. A generation has been taught they descend from animals, that there is no God. They've been taught they are nothing more than a cosmic accident. They have no purpose, and life has no meaning. Life's meaninglessness has been punctuated for them by the 60 million children who've been slaughtered in the womb and counting. But society is shocked when they act out exactly as they have been taught, like animals with no conscience. Respect for human life begins with respect for the life giver. America needs repentance. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, 
public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Richard Land, president of Southern Evangelical Seminary. Welcome to Bringing Every Thought Captive. Many Americans are asking themselves, why is this misguided anti-American sentiment popping up in so many parts of our country today? From discontinuing the Pledge of Allegiance to banning Nike shoes emblazoned with the Betsy Ross American flag. One reason is we have neglected to teach our young people the great heritage that is ours as Americans. We have just recently celebrated the 4th of July, the day in 1776 when the incomparable Declaration of Independence was published. Certainly, the American document that has most impacted both America and the rest of the world. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. According to a recent survey, 66% of American 8th graders and 62% of high school seniors did not recognize that opening passage of the Declaration of Independence. Our forefathers understood we have to have an educated and involved citizenry to undergird our government. In 1787, when the Constitution was completed, Benjamin Franklin was asked whether the Constitutional Convention created a republic or a monarchy. Franklin answered with a warning, a republic if you can keep it. He understood that only a fully engaged citizenry, knowledgeable about its government and involved in making the government work, could keep our republic. May God give us the grace to preserve our freedom and pass that freedom on undiminished to our children and to our grandchildren. For more information about Southern Evangelical Seminary, go to ses.edu. This is Richard Land. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to this Friday edition, second segment of EFA at the Court. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. One thing I did not mention in the last segment, but I'll mention now, is that we're live streaming on Facebook. If you want to watch the show, AFA at the Core, just go to the American Family Radio Facebook page and you can watch the show live there and comment and keep up with the show live on Facebook. Get a little peek into our studio here in Tupelo, Mississippi, a small town, America, Tupelo, Mississippi. Get a peek into our studio and you'll see Jeff, uh, my producer, Bobby uh, Rosa, who's running the board, and your own Walker Wildman here in studio. On the line with us, we have a friend of the ministry and a, a voice, a very familiar voice that you hear each week on American Family Radio, and that's Dr. Michael Brown, founder and president of Ask Dr. Brown Ministries and of the Fire School of Ministry and, of course, host of the syndicated show across the country, The Line of Fire. Dr. Brown, thank you for being on the show. Oh, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. You know, Dr. Brown, I didn't even uh, tell to give you specifics on what I wanted to talk to you about, but, you know, a few weeks ago you were here in Tupelo at our annual Marriage Family Life Conference, and you spoke about something that really hit, struck a tone with me, or struck a, 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 the core uh, of my thoughts here, and that is, I mentioned this a little bit earlier in the week, but oftentimes in our, in the Christian community, 
uh, you have people that get uh, depressed, they get weary, they grow really tired of, of the so-called culture war, and they really, uh, some people begin to have a very dark outlook of life and of the future. And you gave a speech there at our, our conference about the importance, the significance of having a multi-generational view and approach when it comes to the gospel. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, and, and what's striking is I really felt impressed by the Lord to bring that message without even thinking to myself, wait a second, AFA is actually living that out with grandfather, son, grandsons now moving forward with a multi-generational vision. And, and often, perhaps it's, it's our theology or the background in which we got saved, we live with the idea of Jesus is coming any minute, and then some feel it's only going to get worse before he returns, so why bother? You know, why even take a stand? The problem is that while we wait for Jesus to return any minute, we're still in this world having kids, having grandkids, having great-grandkids, and often we don't think in a multi-generational way. We don't think in terms of, okay, things are bad now, but how can the tide be turned in our kids' generation, on our grandkids' generation, or... What are we going to have to do to build them up to withstand what's coming? And often it's the people in the world and the activists fighting for things that we really differ with, but they think it's the right thing. They're thinking long-term. They're thinking multi-generationally. I've read quotes from gay activists in the late 1960s about how they're going to change the laws and things like that, and we're thinking we're out of here any minute. But it's biblical to have a multi-generational mentality. And in fact, if, if you know religious Jews, this is the whole foundation of Judaism, that I'm passing down what I learned from my father, who learned it from his father, all the way back to Moses on Mount Sinai, and that's the living testimony in each generation. Yeah, and, and you know, when you look in Scripture, I mean, you just look at the apostles and the disciples, you know, they they had to begin facing severe persecution in Jerusalem and the surrounding area before they really started to, to, to spread out and, and to take the gospel to outside of the Jerusalem area. And there's there's really not—oh, I'm going to—I'll just ask you, Dr. Brent, is there even—is there any circumstance where we should settle down, uh, slow down our work, not try to be as, as, as aggressive and as— as on fire for the Lord, is there any kind of biblical example of that being a good and proper thing? No, retreat is always defeat. It's never a biblical mentality. The more people try to silence us, the more loudly that we shout. And we also are thinking not just about the glory of God, not just about victory in Jesus, not just about if God is for us, who can be against us, and Jesus is with us even to the end of the age. We're not just thinking about that. But as Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, the ultimate test of a moral society is the kind of world that it leads to its children. So are we going to tell our kids or grandkids, yeah, we're really sorry that you have to go to jail for preaching the gospel, but we just were a little cowardly. Yeah, we're really sorry that you don't have the right to stand for this or this or this or educate your own kids the way you want, or Christian schools have been outlawed because we were too cowardly to take a stand or it was too costly. Never. So in point of fact where the gospel tends to be making the most progress around the world is in places where there's the greatest opposition and persecution because people realize they're in a spiritual battle. People realize that there really is a devil who wants to destroy and kill. They know that there's a price involved, 
in following Jesus, and they're determined, hey, we're going to stand no matter what. And that's where the gospel is thriving and growing. And that, that injection of holy courage is something that we need to have. And it's not a matter of winning every battle. It's a matter of obeying the Lord and glorifying Him through obedience. Yeah, and that's one thing my grandfather said often. He's quoted, and, and we've aired it on, on the network here, he's quoted as saying, you know, God did not necessarily call us to be successful in worldly terms. He called us to be faithful to His Word. And uh, Dr. Brown, this is so encouraging. You know, I, 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 it's, it's easy to get swept up in, in the news and what's going on and, and different election cycles, and we think, you know, we're never going to win this. But, but Dr. Brown, every time we see one heart, one life changed by the gospel, I mean, that is rewarding enough uh, for us to keep up the good work. So final word, Dr. Brown? Yeah, absolutely. If our whole focus is somehow we have to succeed and change the entire culture, well, that's not going to happen before Jesus returns. If our focus is, Lord, I want to be obedient in my day-to-day life and make a lasting impact on individuals, we can change the world. Amen. God bless you, Dr. Brown. Keep up the good work, and we'll see you next time. God bless. Thanks. All right. Well, there you have it. That's Dr. Michael Brown, founder and president of Ask Dr. Brown Ministries. Also heard on each Sunday at 2 p.m. Central uh, for the Line of Fire radio program, and uh, you know this is th- th- we have to we have to as I've heard Abraham Hamilton III say, and he, this isn't novel to him, but he, you know we have to walk and chew gum at the same time. We have to be able to uh, stay focused on what God has called us to do, remain faithful to what God has called us to do. May remain focused on the truth, uh, but also be very aware of our environment, be very aware of the culture, be very aware of the darkness uh, of the enemies out there. So we've got to be able to do uh, do both things at the same time, remain focused, remain encouraged, uh, but also remain sober-minded uh, that what we're facing is a very serious battle out there, the spiritual battle that we're facing in our country. And who knows, you know, what kind of change we'll see. In decades from now, who knows? What it, it may be darker, it may be lighter from a spiritual sense. Uh, but we're called to be faithful to God's word, regardless of the circumstances around us. Whether we're faithful to God or not does not can, does not hinge on what's going on in the culture. It just doesn't. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. That just because. You know, someone we like, someone who agrees with our values, loses an election, doesn't win an election, doesn't mean that Christians now just need to retreat and need to give up. Our mission, our vision, uh, our focus as believers should remain steadfast throughout different circumstances and uh, different environments. And so I pray God, I thank God rather, uh, for uh, His Word and, and the calling that we're, we're here to, to fulfill Shifting gears back in uh, to the Arizona story, I told you I would uh, circle back on, uh, not to not to uh, <laughs> plagiarize Jen Saki there. <laughs> you know, uh, Jeff. Every time I hear "circle back," now I mean she has just coined oh, that yeah. phrase. Oh yeah. And uh, every time I say "circle back," I just remember uh, Jen Saki. <laughs> I don't think I ever heard that term used before she actually used it. So yeah, fitting. And, and Bobby, she I mean she used it like five to ten times in that press briefing. 
Yeah, I think we did a little melange yeah, not too did. long ago we of her. Made a montage. Yeah, and it was just oh my one after goodness, another, one after another, <laughs> and it was totally yeah. different topics, totally different days. So yeah. go figure. Yeah, all of us have those things, those little phrases we say often during uh, transition sentences or transitioning from sentence to sentence. So Jen Saki's little saying is. I'm going to circle back, or that means, a.k.a. I don't even know the answer to your question. <laughs> One of the two there. But, you know, what What I said, uh, what's going on in Arizona, and next week we're actually going to hit on what's going on in Georgia. We're going to cover it pretty extensively. We're going to actually try to have on some expert guests to talk about that topic. But over in Arizona, as I mentioned earlier in the week, uh, these officials, uh, these uh, lawmakers – authorized a forensic audit of the election. And I will say the the unfortunate thing about what is going on in Arizona is that we are six months removed or more now. We are at least six months removed, eight months from the election, six months from the inauguration, removed from the actual uh, circumstances that this audit is reviewing and reporting on. And so what we're seeing here is that, is that election officials can, can conduct improper procedures and activities, and they really don't have to answer for it till six to eight months after their offense, which is a major issue. This is a major issue. So basically, basically, you can cheat and then you don't have to answer for it until six to eight months later. And that's what we're seeing here. I'm not accusing a specific individual of cheating, but the, the, the evidence that I've been talking about does not happen accidentally, okay? The, someone breaching the Maricopa County uh, election servers is not an incident. You don't just, oops, I'm in the election system for this county. No, you breach it intentionally. And what I'm about to talk about as well is this is at a minimum severe negligence. What I'm about to talk about when it comes to these ballots is, is at a minimum severe negligence, if not criminal, if not criminal. And I can say this for certain, these ballots that I'm about to talk about that are not filled out properly should not be counted. That's, that's the minimum thing we could agree on. If no one goes to jail, no one gets subpoenaed. No one gets handcuffed and questioned. At a minimum, the ballots that were not filled out properly should not be counted. That is the minimum recourse that should be conducted here. All right, to the story. This is separate than the clip I just played, a uh, separate uh, incident than the clip I just played earlier before we went to the break about the uh, server being breached in Maricopa County, Arizona, uh, the election, the server that hosted election data. But this clip I'm about to play in the story I'm going to discuss is about ballots that are missing serial numbers, all right? The serial number on a ballot is very significant. It's almost it's equally as significant as the serial number that is on every U.S. dollar bill. Every U.S. dollar bill has a unique serial code on it. Ballots are the same way. They each have a unique serial code on a serial number, rather, on the ballot where you can identify whose ballot it is, where it came from, when it was put in the system, so on and so forth. And so we're going to cl play clip four here. This is another uh, expert witness in the Arizona State Legislature 
talking about how thousands of ballots in Maricopa County had missing serial numbers. Clip four, let's listen. As I just read to you, one of the most important things you need to do when you duplicate ballots is reflect a serial number on both the duplicate and the duplicated so that you can do two main things. One, make sure you have one for every one of the other. And two, make sure that you can look at the votes reflected on the duplicated ballot and make sure that they reflected those correctly from the ballot that was damaged and was duplicated. So without those serial numbers, it gets very difficult. We found some nice bright red serial numbers on many, but some very difficult to deal with light black numbers on many others and none whatsoever on many others. If the corresponding numbers aren't on there, how would you know whether it was duplicated once or 10 times? You wouldn't. Well, there you have it. That is Senate, the voice you just heard there, the male voice, was Senate liaison Ken Bennett. Senate liaison Ken Bennett for the state of Arizona. He was also an expert witness that was hired by the legislative body to conduct and carry out the forensic audit. And what he was explaining there is that when he came up on some of these pallets of ballots, these big wooden pallets with boxes stacked of ballots, he started opening them during the forensic audit, or he was rather called over by the the staff, and he said he started looking at some of these ballots, and he used the word thousands there, that had no serial number written on them, no serial number recorded. And more specifically, these ballots were a result of the duplicate of the duplicate ballot process. What does that mean? That means that a, a ballot came in the mail that was damaged. It was damaged for whatever reason. Maybe water got on it. Maybe it was torn. Maybe uh, all kind of other ways that a ballot could get damaged in the mail. Well, in order to record and be able to, to tabulate that ballot and put it in the machine, it has to be corrected. How is it corrected? It is then transcribed or copied onto a clean new ballot. That's called duplicating ballots. When you do that, you have to carry over the serial number so that you can match. Here's the ballot that came in that was damaged. Here's the ballot we copied, that we copied or we duplicated. Same serial number, so we count this vote. What he's saying here is they open box after box of duplicated ballots, allegedly duplicated ballots, that had no serial numbers. They were blank. We don't know where they came from. Who put them in here? Thousands in the state of Arizona in one county, Maricopa County. We'll be back in a few minutes. Want to know how you can stay connected with the American Family Association? Just visit afa.net forward slash connect. There, you have access to all of AFA's mobile apps, social media accounts, subscriptions, and more. Be the first to stay up to date and informed about current events happening in our culture. Simply visit afa.net forward slash connect. 
American Family Radio newscasts are now available as a podcast. I'm Rusty Pugh. I'm Steve Jordahl. Didn't catch the full story? Listen to the podcast. I'm Chris Woodward. I'm Chad Groening. Didn't have the radio on at the top of the hour? Listen to the podcast. I'm Charlie Bunch. And I'm Fred Jackson. Get accurate news from a Christian perspective whenever you want it with the American Family News podcast. You can also sign up for our daily news brief. Visit onenewsnow.com. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relief. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Of the nearly 200 nations on earth, why is Israel, which is one of the tiniest, consistently in the national news? This is Jim Garlow. Well, for starters, God had a pretty strong statement to say all of us. He said, bless Israel and I'll bless you. Curse Israel and you finish the sentence. It won't be good. On top of that, he made promise after promise that he would, after he had scattered Israel, he would regather Israel. Now, there are some who follow what's called replacement theology. Replacement theology is basically kind of sophisticated anti-Semitism that says, Israel, you just don't count anymore. God's not committed to that piece of real estate. But that's not true based on what's happening in Israel. God is honoring his word in the Bible, and he's regathering that nation, miraculously reestablishing it after a couple thousand years in 1948, and then continuing day by day to fulfill scripture in Israel right now. There's more at wellversedworld.org. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the last segment of this Friday edition of AFA at the Core here on American Family Radio Network. You know, my producer, Jeff Reed, just informed me that my past weekend slot for AFA at the Core, when I just used to host a weekend show, uh, is going to stay in place. So, Jeff, tell our listeners a little bit about that time slot. That's right. The people that were used to listening to you uh, exclusively on on the weekend, now get the benefit of hearing you all week long, and we will select one of our favorite shows of the week, or you will select one of the favorite shows of the week. But one way or another, they're going to get a good program on Saturdays as well. All right, 3 p.m. Central, I believe, uh, is when that'll air, is when it used to air, rather. Uh, so we're going to keep that slot there and have a best of from the past week there on your Saturday uh, time slot, 3 p.m. Central on American Family Radio Network, and as I mentioned at the in the first segment, uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We love it. Well, I love our folks who subscribe to the podcast, and don't just subscribe, but also leave a good rating there on the podcast store, whether it be on your Apple device or your Android device. 
when you go to my podcast and really any podcast, you can actually rate the podcast. So if you want to yeah. Give it a bad rating, Jeff. Tell them just not even to leave a rating. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not even realize that. I guess I need to look. I'll tell. You, I'll be honest with you. I found it a lot easier instead of going to look for the the podcast every day. Mm-hmm. Is to get one of those apps, uh, a podcast app on your phone, and you subscribe to the app, and it's automatically there for you every day. It's just so much easier and so much more convenient. Uh, and you can just listen at the time that's best for you. That's right. If you can zoom in, Jeff, uh, I'm going to show people my phone, show them a little example. Now, I am an Apple fella. Uh, I do see that there's this new thing called a Freedom Phone out there. I'm not endorsing it, but it's apparently sensor-free uh, phone. It operates under the Android software, um, but it's uh, it's out there, and I'm going to actually probably order me a little demo, Freedom Phone. Uh, produced and manufactured by a Trump supporter. Um, uh, Maybe I'll talk a little bit about that next week. But my phone here, uh, I've got an Apple iPhone. Many of you are Android folks. I actually am not against Android. I've got a Windows computer. I used to have a Mac. Now I've got a Windows computer. Um, And here is my uh, podcast store, my podcast app right here. I've got my wife in the background, my beautiful wife there as my screensaver. But when you click on the podcast app there uh, i'm subscribed of course to my own podcast (laughs) imagine that (laughs) i'm subscribed to my own podcast and i mean every day a new show pops up Uh, every day a new the latest show pops up there i don't even have to look for it as jeff said it's right there on my phone i click play i'm not going to do it now because then it'll go over the microphone um but it's right there every day and so if you if it's not if you haven't done it yet once you subscribe and, and search my name or the name of the show once you subscribe, it'll be there every day for you at your own convenience. So a great way to listen to the show at your own convenience. If you're not able to catch it live, go there and subscribe. Leave a nice rating for the AFA at the core show. Back to my Arizona story, and then we'll move on to wrap up the show. Uh, this this audit in Arizona, this forensic audit, uh, there is the, the media right now and the Democrats, they're, they're sweating a little bit. They're trying to discredit the forensic audit, right? They're going after people that conducted the audit and saying this is a partisan audit. Uh, this is a MAGA audit. These are Trump supporters just trying to uh, rehash 2020. Well, that's absolutely, number one, that doesn't, um, th- th- their argument is very faulty. Their argument is on sand because uh, the evidence produced by this forensic audit is undeniable. This is undeniable. This is not, you know, some blog chat board floating around theories about what could have happened in November of 2020. Uh, These are people who spent weeks hired by the state legislature uh, uh, giving testimony under oath about what they witnessed during the forensic audit. And as I mentioned, Earlier in the week, uh, I read an extensive report by a former FBI official who went and toured the facility, the Coliseum, where the forensic audit was taking place, and he said he, he said he could not find one flaw, one loophole in the way that the audit was taking place. They had armed security guards, multiple checkpoints going into the Coliseum. Everybody had to have an ID. Everybody had to be on the invited list. They had high-definition cameras everywhere. Uh, The ballots that were on the pallets 
in the Coliseum floor. We're all under uh, surveillance 24-7 all the way around, uh, 360 all the way around, or 180 rather. And um, the uh, 360, and then uh, also they had uh, different groups, uh, different color T-shirt groups. So if if your job was to hand review uh, and check ballots, then you were wearing a certain color T-shirt. That way you didn't have groups floating off into areas that they didn't belong. You could visibly see that on camera if you were monitoring uh, the forensic audit. I mean, this was military-grade, law enforcement-grade audit. So trying to go after and criticize the lawmakers and the people who conducted the audit, uh, that's just not going to hold up, hold up. But the media is going to do it. Uh, Just to watch over the next few weeks, the media and the Democrats, they're going to begin criticizing and undermining the validity of the forensic audit in Arizona. Uh, Don't uh, take their word for it. Uh, What happened in Arizona is uh, will pass the test of time. And so two things, two stories that I brought in, out of Arizona, and we'll cover more of this similar investigation, not as thorough, but a similar investigation is going on in Georgia, in Fulton County, Georgia, and we'll talk about that more next week. But the two things that that have been confirmed from this forensic audit out of Arizona, Maricopa County, is that their election system was breached by a, a an actor, a bad actor, uh, leading up to the election in November of 2020. The county uh, denied it for months. They've finally admitted uh, that their election system was breached. Their servers were breached. The second thing that we've learned from Arizona today, this week, is that there are potentially, there aren't potentially, there are thousands of ballots without serial numbers, meaning we don't know where the ballots came from. Are the ballots legit? I don't know. I can't tell. No one can tell. Uh, These are ballots sitting on the Coliseum floor during the forensic audit that have no serial number, no way to track down uh, who the voter is, even which um, which uh, tabulation machine it went through. No way to know. Absolutely no way to know where the ballot came from, like a blank sheet of paper with um, with votes on it. And I would be interested to know the vote breakdown for uh, Donald Trump or Joe Biden. That would be interesting to find out. Moving on, we had uh, the Fed or Fed chairman just uh, yesterday, I believe, come out and um, do his weekly or monthly press conference and his briefing, Federal Reserve uh, Chair Jerome Powell, and he admitted that inflation, quote, will likely remain elevated in the coming months, end quote, before, quote, moderating, end quote. And so, you know, we've been told for the past few months that Oh, this inflation in our economy, it's just transitory, right? It's just going to be here for a month or two, and then it's going to vanish, and prices are going to go back down to 2020 levels. Well, now the Fed chairman is admitting that inflation is actually here to stay for at least the next few months. And I really am not buying, we had Dan Silio on a financial issues about this earlier in the week, I'm really not buying this idea that prices are going to go back down to where they were before inflation. I mean, how often do you go to the car lot and you go, man, that car is cheaper today than it was last year. (laughs) (laughs) This never happens. How often do you go to buy a burger and French fries and you go, man, that burger is cheaper than it was last year. 
That just doesn't happen. When you raise prices, I'm speaking generally here, I'm speaking broadly, when you raise prices for months, uh, those prices are not going to go back down, my friend. Those prices are not going to go back down. I hope I'm wrong. Maybe I'll be wrong about that. One statement, uh, this is clip two, one statement we heard from the president, Joe Biden, this week is how socialism and communism don't work. This was very, very refreshing. This is a uh, President Joe Biden commenting about what's going on in Cuba, asked by a reporter basically his view of socialism and communism. Let's listen to clip two. Well, let me start off answering the question relative to Haiti and Cuba. Communism is a failed system, universally failed system. I don't see socialism as a very useful substitute, but that's another story. Can you believe you just heard that? And we did not deep fake that. We did not. Bobby did not make that clip up. Uh, that <laughs> is a genuine clip from the White House where the president of the United States just admitted and confessed that socialism and communism are both failed systems. They don't, quote, don't work. Uh, Bobby, that was refreshing, but that was the president of the United States. It definitely made my day. I'm just curious <laughs> to see what the pushback is going to be on his compadres. Yeah. And I'm just curious. I didn't see the clip, but was he actually uh, speaking from the hip, or was he reading from the teleprompter? I'm pretty sure he, he was He was um, speaking from the hip. He's speaking on the fly. Okay. Because he was having a press conference with uh, Angela Markle, I believe, okay. a foreign leader in the White House. And uh, he took on that question. I didn't see a teleprompter. Might have been one there. Just curious to see if anybody's approached Bernie Sanders for a response yet. <laughs> <laughs> might be interesting. You know, that, that's, Time will that's, tell. that's similar Time to what tell. Bobby said off the off the show before we were get coming on the show. You know, this is there's a rift there. Uh, the, the Democrats are not fully unified. Yeah. And, and now I will say, uh, President Biden is putting people in place who do like socialism and communism. Uh, so we're not we're not exonerating the president here, but he himself, at least on the fly, without a teleprompter, without being nudged by his press secretary, the president himself apparently thinks communism and socialism are failed systems and they just don't work. So that's actually refreshing. Mm. Maybe that message will be sent from the White House over to AOC and the squad <laughs> and Bernie Sanders exactly. because they are trying exactly. to pass this. $3.5 trillion infrastructure mm. plan. And President Trump has warned the Republicans that they are, quote, being played, end quote. More specifically, the Senate Republicans, who some of them are apparently working with the Democrats on this infrastructure plan. And just as you thought we couldn't spend more money, they're looking at spending $3.5 trillion for roads and bridges, right? We're just going to get better roads and better bridges. That's not going to happen. They're going to spend this on solar panels. They're going to spend this on electric vehicles. They're going to spend this on who knows what. And infrastructure is, is a apparently an elastic, a very stretchable term these days. Remember, uh, what was it, three or four months ago, the Biden administration was saying uh, that infrastructure includes basically a lot of things, not just physical infrastructure or traditional 
infrastructure. So I agree with President Trump, uh, the former president, the 45th president there. Let me just read the president's uh, press statement uh, last week. Rhino Republicans, meaning Republicans in name only, Rhino Republicans should stop negotiating the infrastructure deal. I'm reading directly from the president now. You are just being played by the radical left Democrats. They will give you nothing, exclamation point, end quote. He went on to say, very important that Senate Republicans not allow our hard-earned tax reductions to be terminated or amended in an upward trajectory in any way, shape, or form. He goes on to say, they should not be making deals, talking about the Republicans, they should not be making deals on increasing taxes for the fake infrastructure proposals being put forward by the Democrats, almost all of which goes to the ridiculous Green New Deal Marxist agenda. Keep the Trump tax cuts just where they are, end quote. I agree 100%. There, I'm telling you, folks, I don't know that there's going to be a good piece of legislation that comes out of this Biden administration. I just don't believe there is. You know, they might plant some flowers on some interstate somewhere, and that might be the best thing we get out of this administration. <laughs> and those are the most bipartisan bills, the bills that put flowers or some kind of memorial on the side of an interstate somewhere. But a $3.5 trillion plan by the Democrats, folks, I'm not sure there's much good going to come out of that. So I agree with President Trump. The Republicans need to be very, very careful and skeptical about what they sign off on. And if I were the Republicans, I might just filibuster every piece of legislation just like the Democrats did. Just like the Democrats did. Speaking of filibustering, you know, Democrats have been saying for months, we got to get rid of the filibuster. Well, if you've been keeping an eye on Texas, the state Democrats in Texas actually fled Texas in a, in a very historic filibuster to block a voter integrity law out of the state of Texas. So Democrats apparently believe in the filibuster. They believe in blocking legislation that they don't agree with. And so Republicans should take up the, the trajectory of the Democrats and begin using the filibuster. We'll be back next week. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.